Few modern authors have had such a profound and lasting effect than John Ronald Rule Tolkien. His works defined what fantasy could be and elevated it from childish stories and dusty myths into a full-blown genre. Now, we've all seen his books like The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, and they've been adapted into cartoons, feature films, comics, uh, paintings, you name it. Now, the author himself gets his due on the silver screen. Today, we're talking all things Tolkien. She's Tuesday, and I'm Kaylee. Grab your ale and wine. This is Whiskey and Popcorn. Okay, Kaylee, I know your all-time favorite movie is Jurassic Park. Fact. But what our listeners may not know is that you're also a bit of a Tolkien zealot. That is also very much a fact. Uh, Maybe a little too true uh, to reveal to everybody. (laughs) Too late. (laughs) Okay, so let me set the stage, guys. Kaylee was practically skipping down the movie hall to this theater. It was rather adorable, but I, I'm going to have to know, give me your thoughts on Tolkien. Well, I, you probably are not surprised. Like, first and foremost, I loved it. Oh, my gosh. When I first got wind that there was even going to be a biopic of one of my favorite authors, I quite literally freaked out. Like, I was jumping up and down <laughs> in my chair at work. I was so excited. I have been a fan of Tolkien and his writing since my early childhood. My mom read me The Hobbit as a kid, and this was really well before I understood who Tolkien was, but I knew The Hobbit. It wasn't until Peter Jackson's adaptation of Lord of the Rings that I really got into Tolkien himself, and the movies just blew my mind at that time. Like, before that, I was a huge Star Wars kid, and then Lord of the Rings came on the scene and, like, blew that out of the water. And I feel like there's a lot of kids who kind of transition between those two worlds. I mean, they're both fantastic and wonderful, but the thing about the films, which were... I thought really well done, really rich and wonderful. They sent me straight to the books, which when I read those books and like there's so much detail and beautiful prose and writing, just the art of storytelling in them was incredible. And I read them religiously like every year for nearly a decade. I even nerded out so hard that I read the Cimmerillion and the Unfinished Tales. I gobbled up biographies. (laughs) I just kind of went nuts. And when you were doing your master's program, you actually went and visited Oxford to see where he worked, right? Yeah, yeah. I checked out the library where he worked. So back in the day, people would like send in words and say, you should include this in the Oxford English Dictionary. And so what the librarians would do is that they would actually write it down on these little note cards. I got to see like his handwriting on these note cards of of words people were suggesting for the dictionary. They're all filed away in these neat little drawers. It was so cool. And then I also went to the gardens where he liked to hang out and take breaks, have his little smoke breaks, maybe do some writing out there. And I even had lunch at the pub, the Eagle and Child, where the Inklings met to talk about arts, philosophy, and life. Okay, hold up. You're already way over my head. (laughs) What are Inklings? Oh, well, they were a basically a writer's group, and it included Tolkien and also C.S. Lewis, which, fun fact, legend says that these guys were very strong frenemies. They each thought that the other's fantasy writings were ridiculous, if not utter crap. 
That's hilarious. <laughs> um, okay, nerd. So what about the actual movie? Okay, yes, yes, I'm getting to that. So, well, to just kind of lay the scene, the film itself is about the seminal years that shaped Tolkien as a boy into a young man. We get to actually see him as a child with his mother and younger brother and how they really started off in poverty. Tolkien was actually born in South Africa. And when his father died, he, his brother and his mother all moved back to England. And they lived in the countryside, but were eventually forced to move to the grungy big city so their mother could work. And when she died, they basically became wards of the Catholic Church. And they had guardianship over the boys. And they placed them with this wealthy woman who took in orphans every once in a while. So it wasn't like an orphanage situation. It was very much like, okay, so here's this sort of guardian figure who will oversee you during your schooling years. And this is actually where Tolkien meets Edith Bratt, another orphan, and they become friends and over the years fall in love. But Tolkien is actually prevented from marrying her due to many reasons. Uh, One thing being that she's not Catholic. Another is that he's being sent to Oxford to study and you know, as a young man without a wealthy family, it's a big deal. So he can't necessarily just turn down this opportunity. Right. And also during these younger years, he makes friends. And these are friends with children of very upper class, eh, all while he's at school. So even though, you know, they kind of start off on a rocky terms with some of them, he forms this really awesome tight-knit crew m- all of their lives until, unfortunately, World War One. we see many of them perish. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really loved about this movie. It managed to really just capture the essence of who Tolkien was to show how the world around him affected him. Right from the beginning, we see how he sees the world right through his eyes. While in the trenches during World War One, we see the landscape as it turns into Mordor for him, how the bombs and smoke and fire look like the Dark Lord Sauron or even Morgoth. And then we see his childhood, the rolling hills and dells and forests that inspired the Shire and Lothlorien and Fangorn Forest. It's, I think the, the directors and the cinematographers did just a really great job of pulling in those visual elements that really kind of built the foundations of his mythical worlds. Totally. So let's go from someone who doesn't have an inside perspective. <laughs> so even as someone who like hasn't read the books, and let's be honest, I slept through the first two movies of Lord of the Rings, and then I just stopped. Um, you know, for what it was, the biopic was wonderful. As an outsider, it, it's, it's just overall an interesting story. His life was interesting. You know, it's a boy's coming-of-age tale, making these lifelong friends, his education, and falling in love. Really, his college years are where we get to see a glimpse of how he started making these stories and his passion for language. It's from his mother where we see that foundation of his love for stories and language really began. I remember reading in one of the biographies on Tolkien that he had asked his mother as a child why in English we say the green dragon and not the dragon green. And it was just like that instant question. It was like a spark for him. Always think of how words, how sentences are put together. And I mean, he studied old English. He studied Finnish, Welsh. You know, he was one of the scholars at the turn of the century who retranslated Beowulf into a more modern English. So there had been translations before, but he was able to not only make the story coherent, but keep the poetry of the old English of that time, which is just amazing. And 
he also made up several languages growing up as a kid throughout his life. Of course, the most famous are those that live in his Middle Earth. Yeah, he absolutely is a linguist, and I think that just takes a certain brain. But I liked how the movie didn't make him seem like a really out there eccentric guy, because you know how some artists are just out there, and. For all that he had up in his head, and he was thinking and writing all the time, he actually is still very connected to the life around him. He has friends and loves, and he actually even seems a bit shy to share his fantasy writings with anyone but Edith at first. Oh, for sure. And the film didn't overplay him in any way. You know, I think they really respected who he was as a scholar, as a linguist, without. Like you said, making him seem kind of hokey. He he wasn't like some sort of crazy-haired Einstein. (laughs) And, you know, he went on to study those linguistics. And there's actually a great scene where he has to convince the head of the program to take him in. Uh, Here, take a quick listen to this. My class is full, Mr. Chalky, full. With students who can translate Old English at least as quickly and skillfully as you. And have already had two terms to establish themselves. Good afternoon. Hello, Emil. Professor? Since childhood, I have been fascinated with language. Obsessed with it. I've invented my own. Full, complete languages. Look, this is... It's everything. From the the breast hoard. My heart, the treasure of the breast. And the drawings? I made stories. Legends. After all, what is language for? It's... It's not just the naming of things, is it? It's the lifeblood of a culture, a people. Yeah, exactly. Could you write 5,000 words on the influence of Norse elements in Gawain? Yes, absolutely. When would you like it by? This evening. So, as you could hear, like, that enthusiasm that Tolkien had, and I really think that Nicholas Holt, who plays Tolkien, did such an amazing job of capturing that that youthful fire and that excitement and that drive. The acting, we haven't even really touched on that, was so wonderful in this film. Yeah, while I didn't know any of the actors per se, they all definitely brought their A-game and they were wonderful together. Yeah, of course, we have to mention Lily Collins, who plays Edith Bratt, was also absolutely wonderful as well. They made a really cute pairing because she kind of balanced him and also, I think, grounded him, both as the actress grounding the actor, but also Edith just grounding Tolkien and keeping him kind of rooted uh, without going off into the deep end. And we do actually get to see what happens when he thinks he's going to lose her and how he kind of just goes on this binge drinking uh, tirade through the quad at Oxford. But it was just, it was really wonderful mixing of this fantasy in with the biography, which I loved. I felt the scripting itself was very masterfully put together, almost poetic in some ways, and yet natural. Mm-hmm. So it was not like Shakespeare, where it's a bit clunky or anything. But I could very much imagine him saying the things that he said, doing the things he did. You know, I, I really think that they, they did their best to honor Tolkien as a writer and I was just overall really impressed and really happy. I'd go see this again probably a couple times because there's, there's such little details, I think, for fans and people who know him 
that you'll see and you'll recognize and go, aha, I know what, what they're alluding to here, and those gentle nods. I would like to highlight Tolkien is a good example of how to do a nonlinear storyline yes. as well. I would call it a prime example of a very good nonlinear story because we actually start with him in the trenches in war and then we go back to his childhood and we bounce a little bit back and forth, but it, it forms the story correctly. Yeah, I think that was a really interesting way of doing it too. I, it's always risky in my mind to do nonlinear, particularly in biographies uh, where you can lose track of just the story itself, but they really managed to capture that. And I think it's powerful to start in the trenches at World War One, which really did influence him heavily when he left in his writings, which he was already writing pre-World War One. but I think the experiences, you could see it come out in his writings in, in very striking ways. But if you are a Tolkien nerd and you are living locally, grab Kaylee. She'll come join you to watch the movie. But overall, you Tolkien nerds will absolutely love this film. And even if you know very little, I still also very much enjoyed it. Well, on that note, I think it's time we drink. Oh, please. (laughs) So uh, tell me what you're pouring Tuesday. All right. I did a little research on this one. (laughs) I am getting into the trenches with the troops. And that means I'm having Father Pinyard. Now, what is that? I don't know. uh, You're going to tell us, right? It's actually a very low-quality red wine. So generally, soldiers were issued a half a liter of Pinyard per day. Uh, But, of course, this could fluctuate depending on the logistics and situational issues. So along with your water, you got a little bit of hair of the dog. So while it was very favored by soldiers, it was that they could drink, not necessarily the taste. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. I was thinking of something a little more magical, but not cliche. So I was thinking either mead, because that also feels very appropriate for this sort of medieval fantasy world, mm-hmm. or like red wine, like a really good deep burgundy red wine. Yeah, you have the good stuff. I'll have the crap down in the trenches. (laughs) I'm going to escape with my fantasy wine here. (laughs) Well, step beyond your hobbit hole and hear more about the movies you want to see. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and SoundCloud. We'll tell you what's worth seeing and what's worth passing on. And, of course, some funny quip about Tolkien, which includes following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. (laughs) I love how you just pull that one right out of your hat. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll catch you at the movies.